Hello. So, you know, Ted just made panicky jazz hands at me <laughs> to indicate, I guess, that I should be the first one to talk. I didn't know what to say. We didn't talk about how we were going to start it. No, we didn't. Well, we know vaguely that we're going to start with shark updates, right? Oh, yeah, shit. I forgot no, to look no, in no, shark I hand- I've, I've got a handle. Oh, you got it. I totally got Googled it. it right before we, we hit play. Okay. So the biggest news in the shark world right now is that a hero North Carolina dad uh, punched a shark to save his daughter's life. He's apparently a, a Marine veteran, um, Charlie Winter. Repeatedly punched the a- <laughs> repeatedly punched the apex predator until it released its grip. Oh, I guess it like bit off his daughter's leg or something. Oh no, wait, how old was his daughter? Seventeen. And what situation were they? In? Um, enjoying a day uh, in the sun and surf. Um, in North Carolina, when a harrowing encounter occurred. Oh. They were in waist deep water, and then Paige got pulled under. Um, and he just yes. bopped it? Did it say where he punched the shark? <laughs> uh, the seasoned first re- responder applied pressure to his daughter's bleeding leg as he rushed her out of the water. Um, her leg was almost gone. Oh. Just hanging on by a thread. Ooh, yeah, it got amputated. She also lost several fingers. How? I do not know. Was she, like, grabbing the shark by the mouth? I guess. Interesting. <laughs> what are you... <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, I have a quote from the mother, okay. Marcy Winter, and I gotta say, I don't fully understand it. <laughs> Read it to me. Page one... I mean, I agree with it. Okay. But I don't understand it. Page wants everyone to know that sharks are still good people. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I feel like as we've agreed before, the whole idea of, like, shark fear is... I'm not saying sharks should all be killed or anything. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that people are not afraid enough of sharks in general. And I right. think Paige would be on the same. That's our... Yeah. Yeah. She would agree. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Did we introduce the podcast at all? No. Oh. <laughs> Great. Um, so this is Batilda Bagshark. Yes, hello. I'm Mara. I'm Ted. Uh-huh. Yep. We're both fans of sharks. But a couple years ago, I realized that just in our modern society, we don't really... How do I say this? We haven't really fully realized, actualized, we haven't really thought about sharks and the fact that they exist. Yeah. You know, they're dinosaur-like, horrible monster fish that swim around in every ocean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you step into the ocean, you're basically, you're swimming with sharks. Yeah. I mean, it might be like, you know, not as condensed of a pool as, like, when you swim with dolphins, and they're like, step in, and there's, like, 500 dolphins around you, but when you get in the ocean, there's at least one shark in there at all times. Yes, and I just, I frankly just don't buy any of the arguments for why we should not be afraid of sharks. Just the fact that they exist is enough, but also their skin is made of teeth, and also, I've said this a million different times to a million different people, but when people are like, 
You shouldn't be afraid to get eaten by a shark. I've heard that it's like you have a greater chance of getting eaten by like getting eaten, (laughs) getting killed, (laughs) getting killed by a vending machine, or like a deer, or a hippopotamus. Well, like yes, but that's not a reason to not be scared to swim in the ocean. Yeah, because obviously in everyday life, living like walking around on land, the chances of getting killed by a shark are minute. You're not going to get killed by a shark. But as soon as you step into the ocean, the odds increase a thousand billion percent. So, Is yes, you should be... Number? Yes, you should be afraid to yeah. swim in the ocean. Well, like, when you said North Carolina earlier, that's where the dad punched the shark for his daughter, right? Was in North Carolina? Mm-hmm. I have been to North Carolina twice in my life. And I've been to the mountainy parts, and if you'd asked me, like, what is the number one animal you should be afraid of, I would have been, like, bears, obviously, you know? Or, like, I don't know, some other large, mountainy, scary creature. But the fact that people in North Carolina have to be afraid of bears and sharks is terrifying. Yeah, if there's any North Carolinas... North Carolinians? Sure. Listening? (laughs) You guys are really brave, and I admire you. Yeah. I can't imagine. That's horrifying. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry that your daily life is like that. Yeah, you should move to Indiana. Their daily life. <laughs> I'm sure it's they're just terrified. always like that. Yeah, I'm sure they're petrified. Everyone there is like agoraphobic and just hides in their room because they're yeah. afraid. Before of... you get into your car every morning, you have to check it for bears and sharks. Yeah. Shacking up together Which in the I'm... back of your car. <laughs> Sluts. <laughs> The bear shark hybrid that lives only in North Carolina. Yes, correct. Yeah. So that's that. Oh, we've also um, discussed mm-hmm. how it's not just when you're in the ocean that you should be afraid of sharks. Even if you're not near an ocean, we're we're coming at you from Indiana right now. We are the farthest away from a shark that it is easy to be. Like, yeah, pop, much, basically yeah. in the United States. But like. You know, we're still afraid, and I think that's healthy. Because mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm reading an article here that a dead baby shark was discovered on um, an F train subway in Manhattan. Oh, no, on the platform. Oh, God. Was it just laying there? Yes. So someone, did someone just bring it in and just lose it? Did I don't know. Just drop it might have gotten there by itself. That's crazy. They're very smart. Well, we don't, we just don't know that. <laughs> and it was sad and gross at the same time, said an eyewitness. <laughs> How big was the shark? It's just trying to take the subway. <laughs> yeah. No, it's how big to, is it? Do you trying know? trying to get to Brooklyn. Oh, it's just a little baby shark, like, a, I don't know, like, not a foot long. Oh, okay, so it's like basically a fish. My theory is that someone brought it to eat, and it fell out of their bag, and they left it there. Can you just eat a whole baby shark like that? Yeah. I, mean, I think they have bones. Right? That's a snack. Don't they have bones? Or are they cartilage? Are they all cartilage? Just, I don't know. I'm asking you. I don't know. I'm not a bone expert. I know their skin is made of teeth. Oh, it is. Yes. Have I mean, have you ever had something like in your purse or something and then like your backpack or whatever spills over and you just can't pick it up because you're too embarrassed to admit that it's yours? That's uh, never happened to you? No, like what? I don't I... know. Like you have like this old ass stick of gum sitting in the bottom of your backpack and your bag flips over and someone, and you like are packing your shit back into it and then someone's like, is that your disgusting stick of gum? 
And, like, any other day you would have eaten it out of your backpack, but, like, today you can't be like, yes, that one right there that looks like it's been stepped on repeatedly, yes, that's my gum. Or, like, chapstick or something. That's never happened to you. Um, no. That happens to me all the time. Really? My chapstick, like, rolls across the floor. Why are you throwing your shit? Why are you turning your bag upside well, no, down? Well, you're just, like, just emptying it out. <laughs> you just, like, go into your classroom or whatever. And you drop your chapstick and it like rolls across the floor. No, and you're I'm like, pretty well, careful with my possessions. Oh, no, not me. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's that. Okay. That's the shark sure. news of the week, right. I guess. Okay. What, what was the man's name? Do we know the man's name? It was uh, something Winter. Something Winter. And his daughter Paige? Paige. Paige Winter. Yes. And her shark punching dad mm-hmm. she if she's not already in college or or college aged or whatever she's, and she's she, 17 she's gonna have the best college essay shit that's true it'll be called my dad punched a shark yeah charlie winter former marine well good for him mm-hmm. i'm sure that's not the first shark he's punched oh yeah i'm i'm positive so what are we doing here mara well I had the idea that maybe, <laughs> as you very well to, know, because I had it ownership. ten minutes ago, you <laughs> fake bitch, um, <laughs> that we are both um, receiving quality educations from a couple of fine <laughs> liberal arts institutions in the Midwest, and, um, you know, it's it's been a, a long process, but we are in the midst of realizing that you know, the degrees that we're working for are not going to make us um, employable. Yeah, we've really committed to the bullshit. As, like, as... we sort of knew that going in, yeah. but we didn't fully know, and I still don't. Well, there are, like, degrees at my college that you could get and, you know, walk out of there and immediately get a job, but the two of us really committed to that bullshit lifestyle yes. of, like, the absolutely unemployable yes. degree. And I really don't regret it yet. So. Yeah, I mean, I have had to face absolutely no real-life consequences for any of my choices right. thus far. And I've had a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Made some great friends along the way. Well, Learned a lot of life lessons. Yeah. Anyway, but so I thought this podcast could be about the fun Okay. that we get as consolations for the uselessness and uh, the money that we are wasting. Yeah. So, like the best things that we have gotten, the best things that we have learned from our two years of liberal arts education. Yes. Mm-hmm. So do you want to go first? Because it sounded, the way you proposed it sounded like you already had an idea as to... I've got a few. I okay, think. I would love to hear one so that while you're talking I can also think of them. Okay, short version. Let's see. Okay, I think one of the most interesting things I learned about was uh, Tibetan death meditation. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. So I'm a religious studies major, and I was Bullshit. taking... Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you heard me correctly. Um, and that's not like priest school or anything. That's not like where you go to learn to be a priest or a Seminary, pastor okay. yeah. or a nun or anything. It's just... You just know learning. a little about I just everything. know a little about most religions. And... Um, yeah, so I was in Buddhist thought and practice. <laughs> Shut up. Sorry. I respect <laughs> your decisions. It was a great class. I loved it so much. 
But Tibetan, med- Tibetan Buddhism is insane. So in Buddhism, there's the lesser vehicle. So there are like denominations, basically. The lesser vehicle is like original Buddhism. The great vehicle is Mahayana Buddhism. That's like Zen. And that developed out of original Buddhism. And then there's this weird offshoot called the diamond vehicle. And that is Tibetan Buddhism, which is just completely, they left the scale. That's like, it's like lesser, greater, and then the diamond. Ooh. So, yeah. It's pretty fun. It's, it's pretty crazy, actually. So the Tibetan Buddhists have this thing called death meditation. And it's when, so do you know what the bardo is? I have no fucking clue what the bardo is. So the bardo is what they believe where you go between, from, after you die, before you are reincarnated. Okay. So the space. Oh, yes, yes, I remember this. And it's supposed to be just like an absolutely insane cacophony of oh, yes. sights, Say that word again. <laughs> smells, sounds, feelings, sensations, and just like completely overwhelming. And most people don't know about it because it's so overwhelming that usually when you get there, you just black out from like, what the fuck? Like your mind cannot handle it. Yeah, you just can't handle the non-truth or the The, the, the powerful sensations, sensations yeah. yes. But the Tibetans do this thing called death meditation, where they try to prepare their minds for the bardo so that they can stay conscious while they're in the bardo. Because if you stay conscious, you can control what you do while you're there, and what you do determines what you are reincarnated as. Okay. So if you can stay conscious and like work your way through it, then you have an advantage. So why is it called death meditation? Because you are meditating on death and for the purpose, like, preparing yourself for the experience of death. Okay. So what you're saying is don't be a weak little bitch and fall asleep whenever you have too much shit going on around you. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) How did that work when you were sitting in class and you were talking about that concept? Was your mind, like, blown right there in that moment or was it just like yeah yeah okay well i first read it in an article oh good and then we discussed it in class interesting tibetan buddhism is really cool they also do this thing called deity meditation where you basically pretend you are a buddhist deity and eventually you become (laughs) one so you basically just go around pretending that you are a god i think and then you become one (laughs) yeah i'm doing that on a small scale every day but to do that, you have to like study the god really intensely. So basically, reading and scholarly work and research becomes your religious practice. Oh, so what you're I saying was so cool. is I don't accidentally act a little bit like a god when I'm talking to my dogs. Because sometimes I do. Like, when I'm talking <laughs> to them, I'm like, you have no way of knowing whether or not I'm, I'm god. You know, because they're small and stupid. You know, I think you've got the idea. Yeah. I'm basically Buddhist, is what you're saying. Yes, you are the Dalai Lama. Have you looked into that possibility? No, but one time I watched that one John Oliver that made me very stressed about the idea that there's no little Dalai Lama in the lineup right now. Yeah, that's a problem. Did I tell you that I, two days ago, I had an insane dream where I got, like, the world's longest hug from the Dalai Lama, the current one? No, you're such a religious studies major. <laughs> I'm, I shit you not. Like, I was sitting, like, literally at his right side, like, sitting next to him. And then he, stuff was happening, people were talking, he picked me up, 
walked with me like across, the, we were in a big auditorium, walked with me up the stairs, set me down so I was like standing on a chair and hugged me for like a full five minutes. At any point, were you like, oh, this is too much hug? Or was it just like a hug of I mean, I remember being like a little uncomfortable, but like, it's the Dalai Lama. I was honored, you know? Yeah. And he was like so affectionate towards me. I was like, hey, I'm going to be in India next semester. Maybe I'll see you. He's like, yes, I'm often in India. I'm like, great. Did so I'll be sure to tell him that. Doesn't his like brother or something live in Bloomington? I'm pretty sure that's a fact. <laughs> in Bloomington, Indiana, I think maybe I don't know. I know very. I know all. all I know about Tibetan med, Tibetan Buddhism is what I learned in that intro class, which was about all of Buddhism, and we spent like a couple weeks on Tibetan. So, so basically, an expert is what I'm hearing. Yes. Okay. I just thought the death meditation stuff was really cool. That is a very interesting fact that absolutely yeah. makes you not at all more employable. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, at the end of each fact, we should give ourselves an evaluation about how useful this this knowledge will be in a job. I'm gonna give myself a zero out of ten. Yeah. Well, I mean, if your if your like job is to know a tiny bit about Tibetan like Buddhism in a museum or something, maybe. Mm. Okay. Um. <laughs> my first bit of like kind of interesting but not that interesting knowledge that I think I've uh, that I've learned at my liberal arts education I go to Hanover College which is in the middle of nowhere Indiana um, it's a liberal arts college blah 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 um, and I took a class my second semester there on Shakespeare it was a 300 level English class. Mm. God damn. As a freshman, look at you. Oh wow, so fancy. And my very German, but very, well, that sounds like I'm saying German people aren't lovely. My very German <laughs> and very lovely um, English teacher. I would never say that German people are not lovely. <laughs> um, taught us about... <laughs> the sound of my bed is definitely really in this. I'm sorry, I had to get up. <laughs> Um, she was talking about this poetry concept that I found so interesting, and I now have obnoxiously brought up in pretty much every English class since. <laughs> which is, it's called a blaison. It's a French word, and it means uh, a type of poem or a part of poetry where the writer or speaker of the poem, the speaker of the poem, um, talks about the beauty of normally a woman's face, starting from like the top of her head, down to like her collarbones interesting and it like starts often it starts with like the halo above her head so they talk about her like person like as like just like objectively like oh she's so beautiful her spirit fills the room whatever and then they talk about her hair and like her forehead and or eyebrows and then her eyes and then her nose and cheeks <laughs> and then her lips and then her jaw and then her neck and then her collarbones and some of the weird ones will talk about her titties um, but yeah, there's a word for that type of poetry. And I remember when, when my, uh, teacher said it, I was just like, am I supposed to write this down? Like, this, this strange French concept? And apparently I had no clue how to spell it, because I just looked it up on Google to try to find it to make sure I remembered the word correctly, and, uh, I don't know how to spell anything French, so there's that. That's reasonable. 
Yeah, that's the whole thing. Isn't it just the most unnecessary knowledge that you've ever been given? Uh, what era did they write these poems? Oh, don't ask me questions I don't know the okay. answer to. Um, you know, old Shakespeare-ish. Oh, okay, alright. Round about then. The, okay. the time when people would publish, like, books of, like, 200 love poems written about <laughs> probably the same person. And then at the end, whenever you're sitting in a class in 20, 2018 talking about it, you're like, isn't this guy gay? Didn't we decide this guy's gay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but they're called blaisons. And I'm sure I'm pronouncing that beautifully with my French accent. So, so you know, t- tell me, how useful do you think that'll be in a job, in a job setting? Honestly, I don't even know if that's useful as an English major. <laughs> I really don't think it is. In my classes since, I'll be like, well, I don't think sure you could, I don't think you could use that on an exam. No, when I bring, I brought it up in class because, you know, they're very easy to spot once you know what they are. Oh, yeah. And um, I'll just be like, I'm pretty sure this is a blazon. And everyone's in the class like, Okay, cool. Yeah, the and it's like, okay, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, as you say it, you're like, God, this is, oh my, I'm, oh, I'm, no. I'm being this asshole right now. <laughs> I'm doing this. I can't believe you do that. Yeah, but you just kind of can't help it once you know a weird fact. You just kind of have to, you just have to say it. Do you? Know? you? Do you have to? I sure do. But I, I think that might be me as a person. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm gonna go ahead and give that a negative four out of ten. Cause if yeah. I said that in a in like I'm, a corporate setting, they'd be like, "I hate you." I'm a f- yeah. That yeah. would act, that'll actually hold you back yeah. in the job market. That would get you fired yes. on site. But like, <laughs> you're fired. Reason being, you're an asshole. <laughs> um, please never come back here again. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I don't even think if I was like a poetry major or something. I don't know if that exists. I'm sure it does somewhere. It does. Yeah, but I'm, even then, I think they'd be like, why do you know that? You shouldn't. No one should. Yeah. So that's my first um, interesting little thing. <laughs> it is interesting. Yeah. We spent, like, a good ten minutes talking about that. Yeah. What is another interesting college thing you've learned that's benefited you? Okay, so I'm at one and you're at negative four. <laughs> okay. Practically tied. Yes. Okay. Well, while we're talking about English, I took an English class. Oh, did you? Last semester? Yeah. Yeah, last semester. Okay. And I wrote an essay about, get ready for this, narrative form. Oh? And the very short version is that traditional narrative form, traditional as we understand it, was developed by white men, rich (laughs) men. In England, basically. And yeah. the style that they, that they developed is what we now consider traditional. And by narrative form, I mean things like the, how you begin a book, what plot is, how you end a book, okay. what characters are. Okay. Like, stuff like that. And it's like... There are certain narrative theorists um, who argue that well, for example, that those certain those traditional narrative forms can't exactly couldn't exactly be used by like people of color, for example, mm-hmm. and women writers mm-hmm. when those people started being able to write books. So like 
The example we used was the narrative of Frederick Douglass and how it doesn't super have a beginning, like it kind of does. It was like, Not I was really, born yeah. then, these are my parents, but also I don't really know who my parents was. Parents was. Who my parents were, I am a slave. And then it goes into the slavery stuff. And yeah. then it definitely doesn't really have an ending. No, it doesn't really because, have that much of a plot either. Yeah. It's, well, I mean, it's a personal narrative, yeah. but it's not like a coherent. But basically, it doesn't work because like you can't have... If it's the story of a slave, mm -hmm. and slavery is still a thing in the country for which he's writing the book, there can't be a traditional resolution. Yeah. There can't be like a happy ending. Mm -hmm. Or really a coherent storyline yeah because it's just like this is how I got to where I am things are bad this is interesting yes. I have something that's very related to this I think and then with women writers the example we use is Pride and Prejudice oh, and how like <laughs> none if you if you have noticed basically none of the actual conflict in that book like takes place in the public sphere it's all basically like the conflict, the main conflict is between Elizabeth and herself, or yeah. Elizabeth and Darcy, like, sitting in a private room. Yeah. There are public conflicts, but they're just mentioned as asides, and it's about men dealing with money stuff. Mm -hmm. But the actual conflict is between, like, Elizabeth and the other side of Elizabeth, or Elizabeth and her mother, or Elizabeth and her sisters, and, like... And it's mostly just internal conflict, or what this one narrative theory is called private conflict rather than public. Hmm. This is interesting. Yes. This reminds me very vaguely of in a class I took, um, I believe it could have been um, an English class I took for just one month, or it could have been one I took uh, my third semester at college, so the first semester of sophomore year, but I really don't remember. It was probably that one. It totally was that one, because we were talking about feminism um, as like, uh, within English as like a, a way to analyze literature, like feminist critique. And we <laughs> talked about how the idea of like, when you're a kid and you have to like label that little chart where it's shaped like an, like a upside down V where it has like, you know, the, the beginning, the opening, the rising action, the climax, the yeah. falling action conclusion or whatever. Um, we talked about how that is set up to uh, mirror the male orgasm. <laughs> and how that's how we expect to read. That's how we expect stories to go. And a lot of times you'll run into stories that don't really have exactly one. Like, they don't follow that same shape. And lots of times those get labeled as bad books. Or they're, like, people talk about them as if they should have been two separate books. Mm -hmm. Or, like, whatever. A lot of it, a lot of times it happens with Shakespeare plays, don't ask me why, where there will be like two cli like climaxes of the, of the play, and it's like, well... he was a gay son of a bitch. <laughs> he's, a, he's a gay son of a bitch, that's why. Yeah, but it, it was just so interesting, and I sat in that class thinking about that the whole time, and she went on to talk about other stuff, but I sure wasn't <laughs> paying attention. I heard that about, like, music, like... Explain. Traditional song structure was like that. Like there's a, like a build up and a climax and then like a. I I heard it in the context. Someone was talking about Prince and how Prince's music aligns more with like the female sexual experience than the male. 
it's just I sat in that class thinking about how interesting it was and then like 20 minutes after that class when I was sitting waiting for my next class which was probably also some like <laughs> liberal arts bullshit I was just like this is the most stupid thing I've ever thought about like I was thinking about whether or not the book I was currently reading which I think was Frankenstein mirrored more of a male or female orgasm and I was just like that is pretty stupid I don't need to be having this thought right now there are people who have real jobs yes like it is definitely I learned in my narrative theory class that people definitely spend too long on this yeah I like I mean it was interesting at the time and it's changed a little bit of how I read and look at literature but also like that one-off comment, I sat and thought about that for, like, two hours, because it was so interesting. I was like, what movies do I know that look more like a female <laughs> orgasm? And I was like, if someone could read my mind right now, they'd think I'm fucking bonkers. I felt so ridiculous. I was like, this is why. This is why I have to have a bullshit major, because I'm not allowed to sit and think about this kind of shit if I'm a bio major. You could, just in your free time. Yeah, just in my free time. And they're like, hey, what you thinking about? And I'm like, oh, wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> yeah, so that, that's, I'm going to steal part of yours and say that that's, uh, that's my second one also. So. Yeah, nice. Yours was more valuable, I think. Well, I just started to think, I thought it was interesting because, like, thinking about, that was right after, like, Get Out came out. And that, oh, the yeah, idea of, good. like, a... Like a horror movie that was also a social, like a racial mm-hmm. commentary was like, ooh, what? But I started thinking about it and it, made, and it sort of made sense to me. And like dystopian feminist literature is becoming really common. Yeah, Margaret so Atwood like, is my bitch. You yeah. Know I love her I so love much. the show. I haven't seen it's, the show. Yeah, the book is better, but the really? show is also good. Okay. Well, just like, it just sort of makes sense to me. Yeah. Because like, it's fun. It's interesting that like people are adapting genres to like the experience because like you know if your life as like a person of color or like a woman doesn't feel like just a novel where you're born you do some stuff and then you end up fine and it's a happy ending Mm -hmm. without any sort of conflict coming in that doesn't have to do with your personal story just Mm -hmm. from society just because of yeah who you are that happens automatically that isn't particular to you it's just yeah so i can understand if your life feels less like a novel like a dramatic novel with you as the protagonist and more like a horror movie where you're trapped in a situation with surrounded by enemies and you can't get out Mm -hmm. or a dystopian novel where you feel weirdly oppressed and you don't know why and society doesn't really make sense and you don't feel free like yeah it's just it's it's really cool it's interesting. It's like, it's, I mean, as a queer person, it's like trying to find literature where there's a, the protagonist is LGBT in some way, and that's not super relevant to the story. Those are hard books to find. Yes. Like, books about a gay kid that aren't about him, like, falling in love or something. Or coming out. Or coming out. Yeah. Don't exist. They don't, I mean, they do, but, like, they're harder to find. You don't stumble across them. Well, if I'm not mistaken, doesn't the LGBT community sometimes fixate on books that have like Frankenstein that have like a, conf- a protagonist who's conflicted in another way yeah absolutely yeah. yeah well and I don't know if that's because there aren't a ton to choose from so we're just like we're gonna choose this character and uh you know obsess about this character and make them 
like LGBT in some way, but I don't know. I think it's interesting. That's interesting. I feel like that's not unvaluable to recognize as a person in real yeah. life. I say that's a valuable career skill that you've learned. If really? It, yeah, because how long, okay, how long did it take you to learn that, that like, subject to feel knowledgeable-ish about it? Well, like a class or two. Yeah, that's good. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, there are a lot of jobs that involve, well, I mean, we run on entertainment now. I feel like there are a lot of jobs that involve writing and creating content and stuff yeah. like that, especially if you're an English major like yourself. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> and so also, I give you a, I give you a good, I give you a five for that. Thanks. I would give you, like, a seven. Because, like, every job, really, that involves, like, human relations in, like, any way, which is most of them, um, have some element of, like, you know, we have to be sensitive to the ways in which our content is... Yeah. I don't know if I'd go as far as a seven, because it's not it's a good thing to have in a job but it doesn't exactly make you more employable right. like you can't put it on your resume i'm gonna go ahead and give you a six remembering that i started at a negative four <laughs> <laughs> well then so we can't do math um at all but i think that puts you at a six and me at a one no you gave me a six yeah so that puts me at a seven didn't you get a zero on the first one what was the first one Tibetan Death Meditation? Yeah. I give myself a one. Okay, then you're... Okay, so Don't know you're, why. Just <laughs> you're at a seven and I'm at a one. Is that right? Yes. Great. <laughs> Sounds about right. Nice. Okay. Do you have another one? Um, I think I have a short one, yes. In, well, 1500s or something? No. I don't remember when it was. Somewhere, somewhere around there. I have a big... <laughs> big, like, three... It was in the 1450s and 16th century. A big three century time span okay but at one point all i know is that the french invaded florence and in florence there was a big statue of a lion like in their main square and it was like the symbol of florence okay the french took the statue when they invaded brought it back to paris put it in their town square pointed its face towards the direction of florence and put its tail between its legs What dicks? I know. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Sure isn't going to help you, like, in yeah. life. Another example of the French being assholes to Italians is Leonardo da Vinci was make, spent, like, years of his life on a giant horse statue. Um, <laughs> I know you don't mean sitting on top of the giant <laughs> horse statue, <laughs> but that's what my <laughs> He just owns one, and he just, you walk out, and you're like, where's Leo? Oh, my God, he's, <laughs> he's back still, on the fucking horse. He's still up there? <laughs> it's been months. It's been, like, two and a half years, Leo, and he's like, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. <laughs> <laughs> With what? <laughs> Sorry to derail that. That is absolutely what my brain thought. <laughs> Spend it uh, building a giant, equ- <laughs> a giant equestrian monument. Okay. And uh, like five years of his life, and when the French came, uh, they used it for target practice, and destroyed it. Oh. So that's why we don't have that. <laughs> Tragic. <laughs> Listen, I like that. 
I don't think I actually learned this in any way, like, because of my college classes, really, but one time I was, like, Wikipedia deep diving to do some research for a class, and I came across, like, medieval torture techniques, and I remembered the boar. The iron boar would freak me out so- it freaked me out so much at the time. And, like, you know, there- like, I feel like everyone has a handful of things in life where, like, if they hear- about it or they talk about it it just makes like their whole body kind of tense a little bit because they're like ooh. oh yeah i got one yeah what is yours oh you know i told you the other day tell me again the thing with the knee oh the knee yeah Yeah. like when knees or just legs go the opposite well someone showed me a video of a guy doing a leg press and it was just you know it just looked like a normal day he looked like a normal guy just doing a leg press but then his knee bent the wrong way. Ugh. I'm, mm, so, I'm don't so look glad it I've never seen it. Yeah. yeah, don't watch it. Anyway, continue. Well, one of mine that makes, you know, my butthole clinch with just <laughs> <laughs> absolute stress that I don't need to have is the iron boar. And it's this medieval torture technique where they would, they had this big hollow cow statue that had like a, a latch that you could open and they'd put a person in it and close it and lock it and then they'd put a fire underneath it so the metal like was like they're cooking this person alive basically oh. but the way the cow was structured its mouth was like up like its head was like up and its mouth was open as I am demonstrating for you with my hand yes <laughs> like a hand puppet yeah but he looked the cow looked like it was mooing and so when the person being cooked alive would scream, it's, it echoed in the belly of the boar where the person was, and it came out and it looked like the boar was mooing. Isn't that bad? Yeah. Yeah. I remember reading about that. I read the entire Wikipedia page for that. And I was just like, this is horrible. I hate people. That's so... They could have just made it like a, a metal box. They could have just not baked people. They could have just done that. Yeah, Yeah, I would have preferred that, probably. That would have been nice. Yeah. Wow. So that makes me more employable, I'm sure. Was it called the Iron Boar? I made that up entirely just right now, but I think yes. What? The whole thing with Iron Boar? No, no, not the whole concept, just the name. Oh, I I was going to say, wow, what an elaborate (laughs) lie. Why would you do that? I just came up with that just now, um, (laughs) specifically because I thought it would be fun. No, no. Yeah, it freaked me out so much at the time. Yeah. But I don't remember why I was researching that, but I remember very vividly sitting in my freshman dorm being like, what the fuck? What the fuck? But I'm sure that makes me more employable. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite medieval torture technique? I don't think I know any. Really? You're not a thumbscrew person? What do the thumbscrews do? They're like screws that go up on your thumb and they just like get into the nail? I don't know. They just tighten probably them slowly. Not. Probably not. Um, well, I think that's the only one I know besides the iron boar. You know more or, than that. A boar is like, a pig. It'd be a cow, right? I know so few things. Listen, 
As we've discussed, I get this quality liberal arts education. Okay, but you know a boar is a pig. You're just not the... I can't remember. They Putting talk... in the effort to make the distinction. Yeah, they talked about it like it was a cow at some times, but I feel pretty certain at times it was called an iron boar, so maybe they just had both. Mm-hmm. It was like, do you want to be roasted alive in the giant uh, iron pig or the giant iron cow? But pigs don't know. You're right. Fools. <laughs> I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad you, my religious studies major friend, could <laughs> could teach me so much <laughs> on this fine Thursday evening. Yeah. I mean, are there tell me another fun fact that college has taught you. I remember what classes I've taken. I have one, but we've already talked about it, and it's not especially funny. I think it actually is kind of valuable kind of valuable yeah what is like it? as a person um in my soci 101 sociology 101 class that i had to take because that's a requirement which i think it should be um a lot of the class was just like hey don't be a dick you know yeah but you can't teach that in the classroom uh, yeah you're right you can make people better at sounding like they're not dicks yeah a lot of it was like did you know that poor people don't choose to be poor Mm, you know, that okay. kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, that is right. Yeah, but some of the stuff we learned, or one of the things we learned that I, I reference more often than anything else from that class was that, and I don't know if this is actually true, but this is what she said, the professor did, that people are more likely to make friends across any other social divide, like, um, like race or religion or whatever. Like, a white person is more likely to be friends with a black person, and a whatever Muslim person is more like a Muslim is more likely to be friends with a Jew etc more so than people are willing to cross um, financial like boundaries like really rich people do not become friends with really poor people and it's not just because they exist in separate like spheres Mm -hmm. it's not just that it's like even if they're in a classroom together just like they're socially conditioned not to become friends with each other and I think that's so interesting. It is, definitely. And it's true. Yeah, I think it's definitely true at Kenyon. It was true at SIG. I didn't think, and at our high school, I didn't think about it, but, like, my um, partner right now, she has, like, was friends with the richer people, now that I think about it, and we were not. Yes. Like, our friend groups didn't cross over that much. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. But, you know, I think that one actually maybe is kind of valuable. Valuable, but again, not employable. You're right. <laughs> like, we're thinking actual jobs here. Okay. You don't think anyone's going to well, be Well, maybe interested? if you're a... I don't know, there are a lot of HR jobs. Yeah. I think I could tell people, hey, don't be a dick. Yeah. Yeah. You could be like a... Yeah. Yeah, I could be like, hey, don't you think this TV show too too directly models the male orgasm. <laughs> 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 Do you have another one? Um, hmm. You've taken a lot of poli-sci classes. I have. have a any lot of, of them, political theory. Yeah, have any of them given you anything? Oh, yeah. Not so much, like, 
not really facty. Someone will write an entire treatise about how they think everything in the world works. Okay. And those are often interesting. But, um, yeah. I guess, um, so basically I took a whole class this semester on a platonic dialogue called the Symposium, which is a 50-page dialogue um, about a drinking party in Athens in the year whatever BC that Socrates was at. And basically what happened is one of the people, it was like the who's who of Athens. There were six guys there. (laughs) (laughs) Small city. Cool kids only. (laughs) I mean, yeah, basically. No, it was like the main politician in Athens and the main comic poet, main tragic poet, Socrates. Can we have a who's who of Evansville and it's just us? (laughs) No, it was like the main politician in Athens, his boyfriend. The main tragic poet in Athens, his boyfriend, and the main comic poet in Athens, and his boyfriend, and then Socrates. Did he not have a boyfriend? I, his man was there. I don't know if it's his. If it's unconfirmed whether it was his boyfriend or okay. not. Okay. Was he just not? Is he just so famous that we're not allowed to say it's his boyfriend? No, we just there's actually there's nothing that like confirms it. Oh, okay, gotcha, so. gotcha. Oh no, please. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he no, he was gay. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, who wasn't? Exactly. Well, that's the thing. In the symposium, <laughs> the symposium is about love. And so uh, it's like one of the most, like, a lot of people think it's like the prettiest platonic dialogue, which I don't know. There's, there's some weird shit in it, but. Can um, I, um, question? Yes. Can I yeah. interrupt? Why is it called the platonic? Like, did he have to specify because that's like the version of No Homo from the day? Like,. Oh, Why is it called no, the Platonic Dialogue? No, it's called dialogue? a Platonic Dialogue because it was written by Plato. Aww. <laughs> just kidding. They're all the Platonic Dialogues. Yeah, I, no, like, I got it. I okay. just thought it was, we were just talking about boyfriends and I was like, huh, Platonic Dialogue. Oh, we're you, were, you, were a platonic making, you were making a funny? I was trying really hard. It apparently I didn't work I totally thought out you were being serious. That's okay. I've got like five friends. <laughs> <laughs> Go on about your about your no homo. Of course. Um, speech. Um, yeah, it was about love, and they were trying to figure out why we feel love, and like why it's good or noble or beautiful, and why we can or if it is or not, and why mm-hmm. we consider it that way. And basically, the conclusion was that we love things because humans have a mortal nature. And we are always resisting that mortal nature and want to be living forever. And so we love things that make us feel like we, that make it feel like we are partaking in the immortal and making ourselves immortal. So like we fall in love with someone and in having sex with them and having children with them, we are performing actions that make us feel like we are making ourselves immortal. So, like, engendering and raising children, you can imagine them, like, growing up and honoring you as their parent and then telling their children about you and so on and so on. Mm -hmm. And so it makes you feel like you're making yourself an immortal being, basically. And that's why. Because love is... Humans don't just love. We love... Specifically, we love the good or noble things, Mm -hmm. and we want them to be ours forever. Those are the basic two components of human love. Huh. If, okay, so... So it's, it's the same reason that 
and you know theory in that was that if you're gay and you can't have children or you don't want to then instead you'll turn to things like great political actions that will make you honored for you know generations thereafter or creating great works of poetry things like that that like but this the the key thing is the act of creating yeah and being remembered question yes if you're gay and or can't slash don't want kids no don't want because if you couldn't have them that doesn't necessarily mean you don't want them okay so say you uh, don't want kids and you're not really a a creator yes what would he say about you as a person that you are not a very erotic individual <laughs> erotic meaning you have the god eros who's the god of love like love of philosophy love of art love of human beings love of beautiful bodies stuff like that the the ancients <laughs> used the word erotic to mean like of the like the god eros it's, it's funnier whenever it sounds like he's just saying yes. you're not very horny are you <laughs> oh the funniest thing is when my professor would often say things like socrates really was the most erotic of men <laughs> and like it's absolutely true but like it sounds very funny it just sounds like he's saying he's a sleut yes s-l-o-o-t sleut 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 yeah well so I don't know if that actually made sense because, like I said, I spent an entire semester on this 50-page dialogue, and so I really, like, learned it to death, like, line by line. So I don't know if the summary I gave oh, yeah, made yeah. sense. Socrates is a slut. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, basically, we love things because they make us feel immortal. Yeah, because you want to make yourself yeah. last. Yeah. Is that narcissism, question mark? I mean, no. Okay. I don't think so. I like it. That's just being in love with yourself. Yeah, I know, but like if you think you're so important that you should last for forever. Uh, it's not that you think you're better than other people. It's just that you are you and you can't change that fact. And mm -hmm. so you want to keep being you and like keep having good things for you. And you don't want them to stop. So how employable do you think <laughs> that makes you? <laughs> well, it's definitely made me think a little bit harder. I will think harder before I have children. Mm -hmm. And as a woman, I think that will make me more employable. There you go. Because you can also look at your boss and be like, oh, you have kids and you wrote a book? You must be very erotic. Mm -hmm. and you're, I'm the, sure... you're the most erotic of men, aren't you? <laughs> I'm sure that'll get you hired in a, an instant. Oh, yeah. 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 That's... <laughs> I don't know, uh, I've completely forgotten that I wasn't actually keeping track of our numbers system. Yeah. But I'm gonna say that's like at least a, a six. That's ridiculous. I know, I'm kidding. It really isn't that valuable. That is like a zero. Yeah, it's not really gonna get you a job. No. It's interesting though. I'm very glad I learned about it. Yeah. I don't know if it's at all legitimate, mm -hmm. but it's definitely something to think about. Yeah. Because now, now I can't take it seriously. Like, I realize that most things, like, <laughs> stay let's tuned. Not, let's not make any big generalizations here. <laughs> After the break, we'll tell you what most things are. <laughs> no, like, most, um, like, movies and TV shows and stuff always, I realize they kind of 
all of them kind of do a cop out where like if they if they do if they're doing like a happy ending where mm-hmm. they want their characters to be like happy forever, they always make it like, oh we're gonna have a baby yay or mm-hmm. like, like, you know our children like I, like the main you know the picture of the main character like sitting on his front porch like watching his grandchildren and great grandchildren yeah. like out there like. And now those those kind of things just don't have as much power for me. I'm just like, okay. Yeah. yeah. I so, mean, that is without a doubt, like, what... I mean, not without a doubt, but that does seem to be, like, what human love is mostly concerned with and, like, human meaning, mm-hmm. which is interesting. It doesn't mean it's not real or that it's yeah. dumb. It's definitely real. But, like, speaking of someone with absolutely no experience who has <laughs> never been in love and has never had children and doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about <laughs> never even like had a like a dead relative basically <laughs> so. I so that's my completely theoretical <laughs> understanding of the human race okay important question that's not actually that important sometimes whenever I'm like watching a TV show and I'm thinking a little too much about like whatever whether or not it models a male orgasm or like xyz representation whatever blah 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 do you feel like your liberal arts education has sometimes made it difficult to just like enjoy things (laughs) no i mean i think it can do that i I try not to i try really hard to turn well it's hard to over it's hard not to overanalyze i mean i like overanalyzing stuff but it's as long as you're aware that you're doing i mean i do it for fun me too. My whole my whole major is about like here, read this book that everyone ever has read and then come up with a new hot take on it. Like yeah. or talk about other people's hot takes and why they're right or wrong. But like sometimes I'll just be like, I'm listening to this shitty song that's like not probably the most whatever PC whatever the fuck. And I'm just like, Wow. I'm sure people who went to trade school <laughs> don't have to think about anything when they listen to this song. I, I think that's a little... Yeah, it's generalizing, but sometimes I'm just like... Hmm. I, I, I think people definitely have... You know, if you go to trade school, it's not like you don't have a moral no, or but intellectual... You, you aren't like taught to over, necessarily to overthink everything all the time. And I'm not talking about songs that are bad. I'm saying like a normal-ass song that's not necessarily... like I'm not talking about like a super sexist song and me being like, um, this is sexist? Yeah. Or just like watching a movie and just thinking too much about I think I agree with you in a certain way I think it's not an education that makes you that way I think there are different types of people Mm -hmm. certain types of people do that like regardless of what your education or your job is like Mm -hmm. if you're willing to think more deeply about things and you want to then you will Mm -hmm. sometimes it's annoying to not be able to turn it off because it makes it means you have to be so picky about the content you consume or whatever. Well, I don't know if it does. I mean, I don't know. I think if you recognize that, like, say a song is misogynistic, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's wrong to listen to. I don't. Yeah. Well, like, as a, as a more political person than I am, yeah. does it make being interested in any way in politics weirder or difficult now that you know some of the some more shit about the shit well hopefully you 
I don't think we need more people who are interested in politics who don't know shit about shit. No, I'm saying you specifically. Like, oh. whenever you're, like, reading news articles or whatever the fuck, does it make it weird now? Weirder? Interesting? What, now that I'm more educated? Yeah, about politics specifically, yeah. Well, it helps me understand it more. Huh. What do you mean, does it make it weirder? Well, I mean... It makes it. I think it makes it make more sense. Okay. I mean, I don't know. I still don't know what the fuck is going on with anything, but it it helps. I mean, that's why I'm getting educated, so things will make more sense. I sure thought I would know more things as a junior in college. I was like, yeah, I'm going to know so many things. What did you have in mind? I don't know. I thought I would really understand something. I just kind of know a little about some stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess that's an undergraduate education. It sure is. Yeah. They just kind of teach you a little about some stuff, and then you kind of forget it over time, because I'm never going to take another social class, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, some people would argue that's, that, that's not really the main point of an undergraduate education. What is Or, that? like, a high school education. What is the point? I don't know. Just, like, getting educated, you know, learn, learning how to think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't say learning how to think. That's not what I said. But understand <laughs> that that is what I meant. Yeah. I think. I had I had told my brother that because he's in, in high school now and he's a junior. Or he's going to be a junior. And he hates math so much. And he's like, why do we have to w- learn this? I'm never going to use it. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, and I did the thing. I did the thing where you say it's not about needing to know algebra. It's needing to learn how to learn algebra. <laughs> And then I just walked away from that conversation, and I was like, I hate myself. But that it's was legit. Terrible. If you never I know have it's to true. do anything you don't want to do, you will not know how to do things you don't want to do. I know, like, but it's... My, uh... <laughs> an associate of mine like, oh, good. <laughs> never <laughs> tried at school for his entire life, and he just, like, he's in his 20s, and he just still doesn't comprehend the fact that he has to do things he does not want to do. Yeah, I just, when I was giving that little lecture, I was like, oh god, I sound like everyone ever that I hated in high school. When I was like, do I really need to know this? And they're like, yes. Turns out, no, not really, but it's probably good to learn. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think, do you actually think you've learned a very employable skill thus far at your liberal arts education? Um... I'm a better writer. That's good. I think I, I think am too. some jobs involve writing. You can get them. I'm better at researching and uh, yeah. I'm faster at reading and processing information. Um, I'm a slower reader. I think I don't think I've gotten faster. I know a little bit about. Um. I know a little about religion in America. I wrote my first ever research paper where I didn't have a single um, bullshit source. Mm. Where, like, all of my sources That's were big. actual sources that actual I used. Actual scholarly sources. Yeah, but, like, I actually used all of them. I read large pieces of large articles or, like, chapters from books, and, like, they were, you know, legit sources. And I, it was, like, a 15-page or roundabout there paper, and I was like, wow, nice. <laughs> I think I got a B on it. Yeah. I wrote an essay about um, how Socrates, the correlation between Socrates and Zen Buddhist philosophy, 
gotta be on that. Yeah, I wrote about um, Frankenstein being genderqueer, so... <laughs> well, I mean, Frankenstein's creation being genderqueer, so, you know. Be a legitimate second half, do you think this needs to be at least five minutes long? Or what do you think? I was gonna edit the first half, like, find a random bit to cut out and just stick okay, this on the end. Okay, cool, great. Or maybe not even cut it out, and it'll just be like a minute and five, or an hour and five minutes long. Nice. Nice. Cool. So anyway, so... We've learned, like, some valuable skills, yes? Yes. <laughs> As college I students. mean, we must have. I learned how to use power tools at my job. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, probably the most val- actually employable skill I've learned was in graphic design class. Yeah. Which I took as, like, a bullshit class to fill a major, or a, a graduation requirement. <laughs> I don't know. Um, sometimes I have weird little crises while I'm like in the shower or whatever, and I'm like, what am I doing? At fancy ass hot pants college. <laughs> getting, a, getting a nothing degree. <laughs> yeah. Um, other times I feel, I feel smart, but those are, fra- are rare moments. Well, I go to the world's most expensive school. Not really. <laughs> no, really. Is it the world's most expensive school? Honestly, in America, it's like in the top whatever the fuck. Like, it's up there. <laughs> it is up there, yeah. I swear to God. It is, uh, yeah, I know. I mean, I have a lot of aid, but yeah, you definitely think that. I don't, uh, yeah, I feel good about it, though. I just That I'm, you're going to a, a Richie school? No, that I've gotten the education so far that I've gotten. I feel good about it. Yeah, I feel smarter, but sometimes I'm like... I don't feel smart. I feel... Dumber? Dumber? I feel a bit dumber, but, you know, like I know more of what I'm interested in. Yes, I've decided to call that feeling smarter. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, basically no, the same. Yeah. I, I think I have had my eyes open to how much shit I don't know, and it's made me a more like... A, a better learner. Yeah, because like you said, this really is, undergraduate education really is just like a bits and pieces yeah. thing. So I guess if it makes you want to learn more stuff, sounds like graduate school is in your future. Yeah, well, I think the whole like learning how to learn thing only really helps you if you're gonna, for, in my situation, like, it's like, yeah, I hope I continue to go to school because like otherwise I don't really know that I've gotten good at anything. <laughs> <laughs> like... I don't know, but... Well, part of it is you probably have to, like, get jobs where you have to learn job skills on a job. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Okay, question. Mm. Because this podcast is called The Tilda Bag Shark. Yes. So it is, as we have not mentioned at all, Harry Potter and shark related. Well, in its original conception. In its original conception. But it doesn't have... I mean, the spirit of those things is what guides us. It's true. Okay, question. Who do you think would be the most likely to do well and enjoy their time at Kenyon College from the Harry Potter canon universe? Well, obviously, Hermione Granger. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, sorry. Excluding her. Oh, excluding her. (laughs) God. Like, who can you just imagine just walking around campus and being like... (laughs) Malfoy. Yeah. Yeah, no, um, I was gonna say a really obscure character, but that would 
people to know how I am. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think Percy Weasley would do pretty well there. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Also, I, Luna. I feel like Malfoy Luna, would do Luna well looked good Percy. in Percy Weasley, I think, is our vibe. Yeah. Malfoy would do Malfoy well. Malfoy on a bad day. Malfoy would do really well at Hanover because we're all about, like, trustees and, like, weird, like, people whose parents went to Hanover and give our school too much money. Mm. Yeah. Live a little around. This sounds fun. I like having, I like that our school has some money. Yeah. How much money did they get to, for the library again? Uh, okay. Well, Kenyon recently got, like, I forget, it was, like, the biggest single donation in, like, American college history. He got $75 million donation. Oh, God. I don't know who it was. It was anonymous. It's been predicted that we will find out who it was, maybe, and they'll, like, name some buildings after him or her. But, um... That's crazy. Yeah, so we're building a whole new library and quad. And yeah. So our cam- our beautiful campus is just sort of a construction zone right now and will be until I graduate. That's crazy. So am I. Yeah. Do you have any other shark news that we can close on? Uh, well, the two main stories uh, I already gave you, okay. but I can look back a little further. Yeah. Give me another piece. Give me a. Give me a closing piece of shark news. Oh dear. Or or Harry Potter news, I guess. Uh, well, I don't know. You probably know that better than me. I have no Here, idea. actually, instead, give me your favorite. Do you have an inspirational quote from Harry Potter? Hmm. No. Or just a favorite quote in general? (laughs) (laughs) No. Okay. Do you have any shark news? Looking. I can look for some shark news also. No, no, we can't both do that. Then it would just be silent. It's a race now. I'm looking for shark news as I'm... Jason Momoa slams fishermen after they cut shark's tail off. Oh. Wait, who? Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa like Aquaman? Yes. Like big sexy hunk man? Yes. I find him incredibly attractive. I can tell by the fact that you described him as big sexy. <laughs> oh, sorry. I thought that was that was. I mean, it was subtle. Jason Momoa called out the two Icelandic fishermen who filmed themselves ruthlessly cutting off a shark's tail before tossing the creature back into the water. He did not hold back, apparently. Oh, when you said he slammed them, I really did think he, he did not physically physical slam physical them confrontation into the, wall. the way a crocodile eats its food. Apparently he's a well-known environmentalist. Oh, is admitted, he? Admitted to wanting to physically hurt the two men. <laughs> well, thanks, Jason. Mm. Okay. He was very mad. Well, thank you I for mean, that shark news, I guess. I guess he's our patron saint now. Jason Momoa. Yeah. Can we get him on a candle? (laughs) (laughs) It's going to have to be a big candle because he's not going to fit on one of the little skinny candles. (laughs) We'll have to get like, we'll have to get a Yankee candle, the big kind, and put him on it. What scent would he be? (laughs) Mm. 
guess it has to be like Ocean Breeze or something. Yeah, I guess it was. Ocean like, Punch. What is the pink one? The Pink Sands? That one? Uh, yeah, one of those. One of the I forget. I smelled candles. something at Barnes and Noble that was like I forget what it was. Something weird like it was like essence of unicorn or like I know it was something like something that was like a liquefied unicorn. Unicorn. Oh. Like, it's like unicorn spit or unicorn blood or oh. nothing that gross. I know it sounded funny. <laughs> unicorn but semen. But it made me just think unicorn in a blender. And that is what it smelled like. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. So we'll just get one of those and put Jason Momoa on it. Yeah. And use it when we pray is how I think those types of candles work. <laughs> use it when we, well, light it when we pray. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's my okay, uh, good. religiousness coming out. There you go. Oof. Sorry. Just Ooh, comes sorry. out sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that disrespectful that you get to tell me that you religious studies major? Yeah. Now, if you say something offensive towards any religion, I can now get offended. Okay. Because I have all of them. It's true. You are knowledgeable a little bit about all of them. <laughs> More about some. Okay, about some. All right. So anyway, thanks for listening. Mark. <laughs> yeah, I think I've said about all I need to say. Yeah. We did, I think we did. Uh, we did three interesting facts each, which or four. I don't know. I don't know. I can't. But count. you know, that's pretty good for two years. Yeah. So they haven't taught me to count yet. Yeah. No. And uh, I think I won employment wise, but I think that's just because I was I was generous with my points. So towards yeah. myself. Um. Yeah. Well. I think we've decided I'm probably going to keep going to school, so... Yeah, me too. I think that's been my conclusion for myself as well. Yeah, so... Mm-hmm. We'll keep you updated uh, <laughs> for the rest of our lives on how poor we are. Yes, uh-huh. Yep. Yes. Yep. Uh-huh. Well, okay, fact. You should probably have more employable skills because you're going to be more in debt than I am because you're going to fancy, fancy school. That's true. So, you can just win. That's good. Thank you. <laughs> that makes me feel better. Great. Okay. Um, Except it's not my fault I'm not gay. <laughs> Didn't get my school paid for. That's true. That is the only reason. I would encourage anyone out there listening to uh, do that. Be gay. <laughs> well, Be gay, kids. <laughs> um, stay sharp out there? Yeah, stay sharp. Avoid the sharks, yeah. if possible. Be on the lookout for Don't sharks. Cut Especially their tails in North up. Carolina. Yeah, don't cut their tails off. Jason Momoa will slam you. Patrons say Jason Momoa will smite you down where you stand. Um, yeah. Okay, bye everybody. <laughs>